When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Hockey fans, if you'd like a copy of my new book, Tales with TR, Fights, Film, and Folklore, head on over to flankerpress.com. If you'd like a personalized copy for $25 plus shipping, email me at terryryan2020 at gmail.com. That's terryryan2020 at gmail.com. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to another episode of Tales with TR. This is 136A, and I am your host, Terry Ryan Jr. We will have Terry Ryan Sr. this weekend. I'm actually going to Toronto tomorrow, or uh, today's Tuesday, Thursday, uh, for a couple of reasons. Might be at the Leafs game on Saturday night. Looking forward to that. And uh, many of you listeners, there must be some that will be at that game. Ground zero being Toronto. I think in the hockey universe, it's close to ground zero. Wouldn't you think? I haven't ever done the stats, but Toronto, Ontario has to churn out. If you're talking a province or Ontario itself, but Toronto more specifically, uh, you know, players that end up playing pro or in the NHL. I don't know how you could do it, but God, I would think Toronto probably pumps out the most. That's just a guess. That's logic and uh, assumptions going on in my head, which are often dangerous, but in this case, they're not. Uh, Edmonton would be up there, even though not as big. You know, a lot of players, you know, a lot of players come from the West. 
I believe Vancouver is bigger than Edmonton in population, but I'm kind of bedared aside, and a lot of guys I played with, I still think maybe Edmonton for the Western League. Maybe that's some uh, homework for one of you lucky listeners to do. I'm betting most players in the Western League, if you were going to attach it to a city, come out of Edmonton and surrounding area. And I'm betting that most people on the planet, if you look at, what are you going to say, NHL numbers, it's a lot easier, or pro numbers. Because the NHL isn't the be-all and end-all, but it is considered the best league in the world because it is the best league in the world. But uh, success often doesn't just mean the NHL. But I think when you're saying... In this case, you know, you're, yeah, there's something. Which city do the most, do the most NHL players come from? Hmm. Quick Google search. I could probably find out now, but I'll leave that to one of you lucky listeners. Now, a lot of you that listen are Canadian. A lot aren't. And if you're not, it means the World Junior Championship probably doesn't mean a whole lot to you. Because... Us Canadians, it's part of our Christmas slash New Year's tradition. Like anything, some people get mad because they say it was thrown in our face. It's a formula. True, I guess, but why? what is anything? The NH, It's all marketing. And uh, I, I could be wrong, but it seems to me TSN started marketing this in the early 90s, next level kind of thing. And now, at least in Canada, I don't know if TSN have exclusive rights, but it's... I don't know how it works, but they have most of the TV rights, if not all. So, yeah, it's as much a business model as anything, but it's great. It's entertaining. A lot. Of what I'm saying is that a lot of countries don't care about the World Junior Championship. You know, like what's just like the under 18 happens every year. We don't really froth at the mouth over that, right? But uh, it's nice. I, I really enjoy the tournament because... Most of the players, by the time they make it, I won't say most, most on the Canadian team, if you pay any attention to it all, you, you will have heard of at some level. But there's a lot of great prospects. And the next step for a lot of these players is the NHL. Some of them, the next step is the AHL or even the East Coast League or you know, another year junior or college or overseas. But uh, you're seeing a lot of future NHLers. And I like that first glimpse. And uh, when you're talking about superstars, of course, people have come along that we've paid attention to. And I don't mean, I know Eberly had a big tournament and uh, a big few years, and I believe had the most goals. A great player, not quite generational, but a great player, a great Canadian, glad to, glad to have him with us. When you talk generational, I don't know, in my lifetime, the, the tournament when Wayne Gretzky played in it wasn't as uh, as hyped as much. So... I mean, I was probably six or seven years old, but I, I don't really remember anything about Wayne Gretzky playing the World Juniors. I remember the first memory I have from the World Juniors, to be honest, is uh, 1988. I would have been 10 or 11. And turning 11 because the tournament's at Christmas. Uh, and uh, the lights, there was a brawl between Canada and Russia. The refs, instead of trying to break it up, went off and turned off the lights, which made it more chaotic. Could have been a lot of chaos. Well, it, it was chaos, but it, there could have been a lot more injuries. I don't recall there being many. But back then, they probably wouldn't even have reported them like they do now. That's my first memory of the World Juniors. Then I don't remember anything until John Slaney, St. John's, Pride of Newfoundland. John Slaney scored in 1991, and that really was one of the first times 
that I was witnessing one of my role models. You know, I, I kind of idolized John. We all did as kids and made it for most of the 80s. There wasn't many NHLers from Newfoundland at all, if any. Really, I, I mean, Daryl Williams, when did he play his game? He played a game or two, but I think that was in the 90s. Uh, the late 70s, Donny House, Tony Walsh, Tony, Tony White, I mean. Uh, I don't know. I, I could be wrong. I don't remember any Newfoundlanders playing in the 80s. So John Slaney, and you know, so my dad's era, for me, being 1991, I would have been, again, the tournament 13, turning 14. And uh, I was at my buddy Steve Kwan's house, and we were watching. And John Slaney scored, man. And it was it was a different format back then. There was no championship game, so you had to kind of hope that Canada played Russia late, and uh, that was the big rivalry, as it often is. Now U.S. is more involved, but you know Canada Russia is an old school hockey rivalry, and it was no different on that particular day in 1991. Uh, John Slaney scored, man, slap shot for the point, and uh, kind of an unassuming. It was. A shot on net really deflected and went in off their player, I believe. So Slane's got the goal and uh, sent Newfoundland and Canada into an absolute whirlwind of celebration. Now, the year before, I was going to think of the year after, so that isn't my first. My, my first memory was the brawl. Second, the year before, Dwayne Norris from here never gets the credit. Dwayne Norris scored the winner. Except it was weird because, again, there was no championship game. It was a round robin and, like, total goals, uh, wins, wins, and then goals for and against, whatever. And Norris scored one late, but it wasn't as celebratory because we had to wait on another result. So it was a little different, although Newfoundland did score. Did, uh, that was Eric Lindros' first year on the team. So that was actually my first memory. It just wasn't as in your face. When, when Dwayne scored, I knew he scored, but I didn't realize it would be a Newfoundlander scored the winner for Canada. Slaney did it. I believe there's two or three minutes left in the game. We had to kill it off, and the play was in Saskatoon. It was packed. It was in Canada. Everybody seemed to be more tuned in. And in the early 90s, continuing to the late, uh, it seemed that the tournament kept picking up steam. That's where it picked up all its momentum, I think. By the 2000s, the World Junior were similar to what you see now. And by that, I mean the, the TV presentation, even the rules. They went to a championship game, playoff format in the mid-90s, and uh, never really looked back. So what am I getting at? Uh, what am I getting at? Uh, and before I do, um, then there's been other great. Crosby came along. McDavid came along. I remember, to be honest, in the 90s when Paul Correa was playing, he was, a, he was a big, people kind of thought generational. Great player, too, great career, but he often gets lost in the shuffle. But those are the main, like, big-time players for Canada that I remember. Tavares, that was pretty big. But Bedard, what he's doing, I'm, I'm answering a thousand questions at once here because I get all kinds of traffic today on all platforms asking about uh, you know, what I think of Conor Bedard and his goal and his tournament and, uh, you know, all kinds, of, that same, same similar question. It's all, I guess, to do with Conor Bedard and how good he is. Yeah, I, I'm amazed. Now, Senior, Senior brought up, I'll have him on here tomorrow or the next day. 
a good point I thought was because he compared him to Marcel Dion. And I laughed. I'm like, that's 50 years ago. Like, Come on. And I kind of passed it off, but I just had to phone him back. It is a fairly – Dion was a smallish forward, very agile, played similar. People forget but who he is even, which is kind of sad. He had 740 goals. Marcel Dion is like fourth or fifth in all-time NHL goal scoring. And a lot of people, yeah, yeah, they they really don't know who he is. And he was about 5'8 or 5'9, relied on quickness and agility. He was he was a lot like Bernard, so I had to give that to Dad. It's just an ancient reference. So, I mean, I, I said to Senior, like, you know, how was he compared to King Clancy? You know, what? how far back do we go here? You know, uh, Cyclone Taylor. You know, does it does, does he remind you of Cyclone Taylor who played in 1909? So I just thought Dion was a bit of a reach. But think if, on second thought, thinking about you know the best scorers of all time, I suppose that's a decent comparison, player to player. But I and it's it's hard. I almost laughed at him. It's hard for me to. And I was like, Bernard's way better. It's almost ignorant to him and, and, and Dion. 740 NHL goals. Dion had three points a game almost in junior. Uh, you know, and again, there was more scoring, but not, you know, he, he, he won the scoring by landslide. So I guess it is a fair comparison. Uh, I'm just mesmerized. In today's day and age where I, I just find there's not as many weaknesses like as a forward, I guess there's something in you subconsciously that a lot of people don't talk about. As a forward, I can honestly tell you that if I'm on the ice, say, in junior, you know, I, I hate to keep going back to the WHL, but I can go to the AHL for three years or the dub for four or five years. And that's the only way I can make a relevant comparison. I can tell you how, like, tough Chris Pronger was in front of the net, but overall players that, you know, wear on you after game after game. I don't really have that NHL experience. I can tell you what it's like one game to the next. Of course, looking at Mario Lemieux and Wayne Gretzky, one game against each of them, that's all I really needed. But I wouldn't be able to tell you how good of a two-way player Darby Hendrickson was. I mean, he seemed good. He, see, he seemed like a two-way player when I played against him. How good he was at it, I really don't know. I remember him being pretty darn good. But I couldn't really give you a big-time commentary. Now, of course, since I've been playing, I've been watching. Now it's a lot easier because all these games are on TV. If you like a prospect, you can just watch and, you know, kind of report or observe whatever the hell you're going to do. You can get, you can form a much deeper opinion on a vast amount of players now because it's accessible. Okay. So someone like Marcel Dion, I, I really don't really know. I mean, I, I, Rod Don Cherry's Rock'em Sock'em from those videos maybe, and even then he was like 15 years into his career. I don't see a lot on him. but uh, And that's sad. There are players in history. Uh, another guy here was awesome was Rick Middleton uh, for Boston. I mean, he played on a couple teams, I think, but you know, R.A. talks about him with Chicklets. Anybody that really watched Rick Middleton, I hear them say great things, but I don't see anything. I got one highlight on Don Cherry's 
again, Rock'em Sock'em videos, a nice uh, kick up to his stick and he went upstairs. But so there's players like that in the course of history that I really can't comment on. And I hate recency bias is always I don't want it to be, but it, it always plays a factor with me because I'm sure it was exciting to watch a number of players before they hit the NHL like it's exciting to watch Bedard. And what I was getting at earlier, God, I ramble. Um, yeah, so when I'm playing in the WHL of the A back in the day, right, if I look up and I'm a forward, I got the puck, and I see Wade Redden on one side, right, and I don't know, Kadron Smart on the other. No offense to Kadron Smart, but I'm probably going down his side, right? Because you play the odds. And at the end of 72 games, right, if I look up and I see Sheldon Surrey, and on the other side I see Justin Guy, right? these are just random guys I played with or against, I'm probably going to go down Justin Guy's side. And again, by the end of the year, after hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of rushes, I will probably be slightly more successful because I went down the weaker side of the ice. So that, I'm not telling you that I think about it consciously, but when I'm on the ice, I don't know, it's like a shark that circles a school of fish, I don't know, and takes the one that doesn't swim the fastest, or a better example, maybe a wolf. I don't, you know, gets breaks into the farm. The sheep probably going to go after the wounded one first, just to make sure he he gets a meal. Well, it's kind of like that when I played. I've never really talked to other scorers about other scorers, like I'm some big scorer. But now on those levels, you know, it's relative. And I I did I times in my life. You, you can even equate this to senior hockey or ball hockey or whatever. If I'm on the floor and I'm looking up, there you go, Chicklets fans, right? If if I'm looking up and I see Nose Face and I see Justin Pender, I'll probably go to Nose Face because he's smaller and he's offensive, not defensive. I mean, I'm sure he's okay. Now, if I see Nose Face and some schmuck that's similar on his, I'll probably go that. I'll always pick, not always, depending on where you are on the, on the floor or the ice too. But what I'm saying is that to me, it's kind of a subconscious thing. I, I will, if you, if you really want to boil it down to one sentence, I'd say it's the path of least resistance. I like taking in life on the ice, off the ice during sports. I don't know. Driving, uh, business acting, whatever it will be. How am I going to learn my craft? How am I going to do this? How am I going to be successful? Well, give me the path of least resistance, right? But nowadays, I find with everybody, like working on so much off the ice and, and so many factors are involved, not just, you know, I went out there and knew I had to round out my game, but there wasn't really specific coaches ever really until I hit pro, and even then, you know, work on this edge or that edge. Montreal, you know, I, I knew I had to work on my skating. 
They gave me some money. They reimbursed me. I could pick wherever I wanted. I went to Sweden. But it was kind of up to me. But nowadays, you know, it's very, very, very specific. What you're training on, how you're training, skating, shooting, all of it. It's broken down. There's an analytics model for all of it. Uh, there's, It's a science. And it's just much more tight. So to me... The game, often it's so, the players are so good, it often looks boring, right? Because more mistakes means more kind of excitement a lot of the time, which is why, I don't know, if you see Wayne Gretzky and fucking Glenn Anderson and Mark Messier out against Jim Kite and Tom Chorsky, they probably make them look stupid. But today, Clark Bishop, my buddy there, he's got 40 or 50 games in. He's a great defensive player, right? Hope he gets up with Ottawa again this year. But, or Calgary, Jesus, I'm Calgary. Um, so, but I have every bit of, I think Clark is better in relation to the players that came before him defensively because he really works on that specifically. There doesn't seem to be many weak spots. Like even in junior, I remember looking at players and knowing I could burn them. I don't think there's as many of those players out there now. It's harder to dominate. You, you still... I'm not saying that guys don't go out and get a lot of points, obviously. JT fucking Miller last year at 100 points, right? I don't know if he's necessarily going end-to-end. Some of them he did. People are good players. But it's not as obvious. Like, Patrick Kane is still a bit of an anomaly to me. He takes the puck and he goes, and I don't know what these analytics are on, on time with the puck or like zone entries or whatever, but I bet you he's up there. You can tell when you're watching him play. I mean, David's obvious. Dreisaitl, obvious. I mean, Crosby. These players are obvious, but they're the best in the game. But I, you know, I don't find there to be as many mistakes as there used to be. And that's everything from, like I said, training to better equipment even. Uh, goalies have bigger equipment. Uh, you know, more money. So you, you're you going to work harder to, to earn it and earn a spot, right? Re- I mean, realistically, that's true. Uh and it's not just the NHL. If I'm in the AHL, I don't want to get sent down to the coast. Same thing. Of course, nobody ever wanted to get set down. But when the stakes are highest, it's probably going to be the best. So having said all that, that's what amazes me about Bernard is that he still makes – It's he looks like a video game out there. It looks like the 80s. And, and Gretzky got the puck on his stick in one of those fucking five- or six-point nights that he used to have, you know? Bernard has – uh, you know, I think he has three player of the games and the one play, the game he didn't get player of the game, he had six points. And if you look last night, again, some people, if you're not watching it, you don't know what I'm talking about, but you will have heard of Connor Bedard and you're going to hear of him a lot more. And uh, Canadians might laugh at this, but, you know, a lot of people, I mean, people are listening to me in Australia and Iceland. A lot of people don't know, man. I, and I appreciate all that. I look at the uh, Apple downloads or whatever, and I know it's not completely accurate every time because there's more than just Apple and iTunes and there's more downloads than, you know, just on certain platforms, but generally I try to have a look, and I know that no matter what way you slice it, uh, my podcast is kind of overrepresented. You know, it does really well in Iceland, in Australia, Germany it does okay, Czech Republic, probably because I've got ties there, I've played with players from there. I've had people on from there. So it doesn't surprise me that some people listen, but 
you know, last week I was number one in Iceland. And again, it's Iceland. I know it's not a huge population listening to hockey, but it's significant enough. And I thank all you guys. So what I'm saying to you Canadian fans and North American fans and fans that are really into the World Juniors, there's probably at least half people listening to this that aren't. So bear with me. I apologize if I'm being way over specific. And uh, I'm trying to explain this, though, on a level that everybody can understand. So here we are at the World Juniors again. These are all pretty great teams, save of one or two. Canada had some gimme games. Germany played pretty well other than against Canada and Austria where I think it was 11 to nothing romp. <clears throat> they were, you know, Austria were probably the worst team in it. But that being said, they still had some players, right? Like every team has players that are probably going to play in the NHL. Some teams, the Slovakian team last night, uh, and for those that don't know, it used to be Czech Slovakia, right? So Czech Republic and Slovakia are right next to each other with a lot of the people with the same traditions. A lot of the people have the same backgrounds. Uh, I thought everybody knew that until I was watching the game last night and one of my buddies brought it up. We're Slovakia. So it's obviously next to Czech Republic, Czech Slovakia. No, I think it's all Czechia, right? Back to that. I don't know the politics there, but I know that Slovakia has a long history of playing hockey, damn good hockey. Um, I played a world championship there in Bratislava, real nice rink. Uh, anyway, I, I don't know if I've seen a more dominant performance in the world juniors. And I mean, Eric Lindros came through, like I said, there's been big ones that, that was real big. I don't want to underplay that one because Lindros was also hitting every, it, it, Lindros was put two or three players out a game just from hitting them. That's the truth. He was hurting players, and then he was scoring. and That was a big, 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 big prospect. For anybody that was alive, think back. and Don't underestimate that time. Eric Lindros was as big as Wayne Gretzky when they were both coming out. And to finish the sentence, I guess, or the thought on, on Lindros, he was awesome for most of his career, too. He loves he, Scott Stevens hit him. If you don't know what I'm talking about, just Google that. Scott Stevens, Eric Lindros. That was the first of many concussions, the, the biggest one probably, and uh, that Lindros would have. And he, you know, he loved hockey so much that he just kept playing. He wanted to be a good teammate. I remember his last couple of years with Dallas and uh, Toronto. I don't think he went anywhere else after that. And uh, you know, he was a pale comparison of himself. So, if you're a little bit younger than me and that's all you remember, of Lindros, please go back and do your homework. He played on the World Cup team with Canada. Canada Cup team uh, in 1991 without having played a game in the NHL. And he was one of the best players in the tournament. I can go on, on about Lindros. But anyway. Hockey fans, light the lamp this winter with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. New customers can bet just $5 pre-game money line on any NHL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. If that wasn't enough excitement, you can turn small bets into bigger payouts with same-game parlays. Combine multiple bets like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more for your shot at an even bigger payout. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN, bet $5 on any NHL team to win their game, and get $150 in free bets if they do. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. 
like I said, after that, I don't know, in the 2000s, I remember Crosby and Tavares being big coming in. Tavares was really hyped. He's been a good number one pick, but, you know, he was an underage in the O. McDavid came through. I mean, he was flying, right? I mean, some unreal highlights, but I don't know more speed than anything. I don't know that I've seen a kid like this dominated so young, 16, 17. I guess same as McDavid. Lindros came back because of a few things, but uh, but most players come back, right? Most players don't just walk into the NHL, and even if they do, the NHL players are, or the NHL teams often loan them out to the team. And in Canada, got eight players now that go back and play in the NHL. They have eight players with the team, again that are be- that are NHL players. So, and that goes for every team. Every team, Slovakia, the same thing. You wait five years from now, you're going to see a bunch of players off that Slovakia team, and hopefully the goalie. Hats off to him. Jesus, did he play well? Could have been eight to three. Uh, I think it was sixty shots on net almost. But anyway, it's just it's not just Bedard's ability to score. It's not just his vision on the ice. It 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 it's uh, well that's a lot of it. But uh, you know the guy is he's on a mission, and he it's not just the scoring; it's the timing. It just seems like he gets big points and big goals, and like last night it was just a matter of time. Before overtime, I thought he almost looked tired at times. I'm not going to say disinterested, but I'm going to say like they were in the power play and it started to get to the Canadian players. You know, we're shooting, we're shooting, we're shooting, we're getting chances, just not going in, it's not going in. But Bedard, when overtime started, and at, at times during the game, but definitely when overtime started, man, it was just like a person on a mission. Like the puck dropped and he had a shot, shot, and he's got such a quick release and he can release it from outside of his kind of body or, or or he can pull it in. So there's no real way to just stand in front of it. He can shoot around you, which is real, real dangerous. And uh, we can also deke, obviously, look at the, that the goalie scored. But I don't know. It just seemed like a matter of time. I've never watched even Crosby when he got the golden goal. I just didn't have the feeling that in 2010 in Vancouver that was to win the Olympics. That... Uh, like I, last night, I was just positive. Just as a hockey fan watching, I was positive that Bedard was going to score a goal. I think a lot of people were. And I've just always said it's one thing to get the points and to get the goals. It's another thing to do it at the clutch times, and that really is rare. I like bringing up Patrick Kane because he's one of them. You know, the game goes to overtime. The bigger the game, the bigger the platform, the better Kane seems to play. Uh, and there are. There, there's players that have that and not so much the dominance. What's his name? Justin Williams, Game Mr. Game 7. I think that's what they called him. There are people that have a knack for scoring timely goals. Now, that's not always to do with all their ability. Maybe they, they don't crack much under pressure. Um, it's more noticeable, I find, in baseball, where... You know, and I've played, again, it's, it's relative. I haven't played at that level, but I've, I've played a high level of baseball in Canada anyway. Gone to the Canada game, shit like that. So, but I find, like, if you see, you know, who's, um, there are, I'm trying to think in the, in the majors, which is totally analytical, but Mike Trout, maybe Derek Jeter, who, Jeter, I, I don't know if he ever won the batting. And people think because he's this like Yankees legend, you know, he's a shortstop. He never like led the league in home runs or anything. He wasn't even close. But it seemed to me he had a knack for getting that hit at the right time. 
right? In baseball, a 300 average is good. And that means that you're getting on base less than once, well, outside of walks. When you're swinging at the ball, you're getting on base less than once every three times. But some people just have a knack for that timely hit, right? There's something about it. And I can be honest with you, in hockey, I had more confidence. I, You know, if, if there's a penalty shot, say, in overtime, do you want it or not? I'd be nervous, but but I think I'd want it. But in, in, in baseball, and, and it's still, it, it would be, I'd be really uneasy about it. Uh, in baseball, for example, it's three to two. It's fucking the bottom of the ninth. Bases are loaded. You know, I don't know. Or there's man on third, say. Bases don't need to be loaded for a one-run score now, do they? Um, and I wasn't a home run hitter. But would I want to be up at bat? I suppose once I got up there, I'd make, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd get into it. I would. But some people just give me the bat. Give me the bat. Right? And and I don't know. Locally, Grant Kenny was one. Any locals listening to this? My dad, Terry Sr., he was definitely one of those guys. Dad won the batting here seven times. He went to the Canadian Nationals. Got picked for the All-Star team. Got picked for Team Canada one year. I'm not, I'm not shitting you. I'll ask him about it tomorrow when he comes up. But Sr. was one of the best baseball players. Definitely one of the best hitters ever to come from Newfoundland. I don't think that's... I don't think there's really a debate to be made there. Uh, one of, I mean, you could you could make a debate for the best hitter. You really could. Uh, I'll ask him about that in a couple of days. But anyway, but he was one of those guys. And, you know, we've all played sports. It could be soccer, right? Like who wants that ball? Look at the World Cup, right? Uh, in my mind, who was it shot for uh, Canada? Davies, Anthony, uh, Alfonso, Alfonso Davies. I mean, I was getting mixed up with Anthony Davis. Well, I mean, he's the, you know, widely regarded as the best player for Team Canada. They go over to the World Cup. I mean, started with a bang, right? They nearly, they did okay against Belgium to start, considering they were, you know, a big time underdog. But that's it. I, I I think it was like seven or eight minutes into the game. Davies got a, or they had a penalty shot. Anybody could have taken it, and it was Davies. But you, I I could almost tell when he took it. He was a little bit. I mean, it's glad. I'm, I'm glad that he had the confidence to do it. But it really was a pretty weak. She just didn't look confident. And maybe I'm wrong. But some players, you can see it. You know, some pe- players step up, not just. I'm just using that as an example. I'm talking hockey, soccer, tennis, whatever it might be. Right? But it seems to me the higher the stakes get, Bedard, Crosby's one of those. If I've ever seen one, it's Crosby. Uh, but, you know, people have a knack for it. Wayne Gretzky, where did he get his 802nd goal to break the record? Edmonton. Right? Marilyn Lemieux scored on his first shot and his last shot. Uh, 87 Canada Cup, Gretzky to Lemieux. Lemieux. Not only in, under the bar, make it 6-5, third game. In a, like they have a flair for the dramatic. Michael Jordan, give me the ball. I want it last shot. I don't know what Jordan's percentage is on clutch shots, but it seemed that every fucking time the game was on the line, he'd get the ball, and I don't remember him. I remember missing one time. Once. I, I swear to you, I remember miss, missing once in a big game. Fuck, did he score? And look at the last dance for that. It's on Netflix. Even if you're not into basketball, you, you want to witness one of the best athletes ever in his mindset and 
you know, playing with some damn good athletes around him. But Jordan is another one. Tiger Woods, right? Look at some of those fucking shots. Remember the one he made, the chip in? Was it, was it at the Masters? And the the ball rolls over to the hole and just has enough momentum to, momentum to roll in at the last second as the Nike symbol comes up. He's sponsored by Nike. I mean, it was perfect. And these, the best players seem to have that knack. Right? My dad mentioned Marcel Dion. I brought that up earlier. But I don't really remember, you know, I remember him much because I, I don't remember. I mean, he played when Guy Lafleur did, and he has more goals than Guy Lafleur. But I remember Guy Lafleur more. Guy Lafleur scored big goals. Guy Lafleur won Stanley Cups. Dion didn't win Stanley Cups. And therefore, I don't remember any big playoff series. He played in L.A. and then the Rangers, L.A. for the most part. And that's the difference. But you remember Guy Lafleur. Right, just from highlights and people talking, you could be it's because Lafleur scored big goals and the Canadians won. But honestly, here I'm going to look it up. Let's see, Marcel Dion. I think they were the same draft, one and two. Let's see, Guy Lafleur. Okay, Guy Lafleur, first overall, 1971. Okay. 209 points in 62 games. That's insane. Um, 1,353. 560 goals in 1,100 games. 560 goals is a lot. That's Guy Lafleur, Marcel Dion. So. Marcel Dion. Marcel Dion. 730 goals, 1,700 points. More points, more goals than Guy fucking Lafleur. And he went second overall that year. Lafleur had whatever points I just told you. Uh, Dion had 46 games, 143 points. Dion went Detroit for four years, then Los Angeles for like 12, then New York for his last three, retired in 89. But again, what do you remember about uh, Marcel Dion. Not much highlight-wise. Says here he won the Art Ross, man, the scoring. 79-80. Oh, he did. That's the year Gretzky came in and they tied. But Dion had more goals. Um, right? The Lady Bing twice. But it seems that those things don't really pass the test of time. No one remembers who got the Lady Bing in 1970-whatever. They probably should. And it doesn't mean it's a bad career. It just means that's exactly that's an example of what I'm talking about. Lafleur and Dion. And most people listening to this have heard of Guy Lafleur. A lot of you probably see the highlights. Big Habs fans, one of your favorite players ever. I'm sure some small portion have a Lafleur jersey. I think I got one somewhere at home at my parents' house. But Marcel Dion, not so much. Not so much. But he didn't quite score those real big goals, right? Um, nothing against him. Someone was bringing up small statured players the other day. And uh, they brought up Theo Fleury. There's another guy, uh, Steve Sullivan. That was a guy, man, He's a, he was underrated. 
he can really snipe too. They were both small, real small, five six, maybe about five five. I think Flurry five seven, five five to five seven, kind of small. They shot right, but I mean, Flurry, I remember because he scored some big goals. He scored that big one for Calgary, and he went down the ice and kind of rolled. Whatever he did, it was one of the most iconic celebrations ever. Then with Team Canada, he scored. Right in that year, that that big goal I was talking about when he came into the league in '88 or '89, whatever it was, Calgary won the cup. Right, so you just remember that more. Well, Bedard, whatever all those players I mentioned, um, Mark Messier was another one. Remember, he called his shot. He said, "We're going to win Game Seven, New York against the Devils." Messier says, "We're definitely going to win. I guarantee it." He goes out and gets three goals, and the Rangers go on to win the cup. Right, that's why these fucking players are remembered. What was that? Messier's fifth or sixth cup. Um, but you know, there are for every point getter that has a knack for scoring at big moments. There's a point getter that doesn't. And I like watching the script write itself. Um, and I'll put it, Matthews and Marner. I fully believe that Austin Matthews or, or, or and Mitch Marner are going to definitely. I mean, it, it happened with Ovi. Everybody said it wouldn't happen. And then Ovi did. They won the cup and he had some fucking huge goals on the way. And it doesn't matter what happens. People are going to remember it because it's iconic. And Ovechkin is one of the best players. See, that's what I think is going to happen with Matthews Marner. Um, and. You know, if you want to say Dreisaitl and McDavid. Uh, and more. I just get a lot of emails about those those players. And, uh, you know, they're, 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 they're going to write their story. They're unreal players. They're unreal teammates by all accounts. They're driven. So you're going to watch these players write their story. It's just not, it doesn't happen so early usually. Like Bedard is supposed to do it, and he's doing it. Not only is he doing it, he'd be doing it if he, he's got 21 points. The player in second place has 11. Logan Cooley with, with USA. Right? The leader has second place has five goals. He has nine. Like It's not even close. And he didn't get them all against Austria and Germany. He's dominating against every team. Now, they've got a, whether Canada will win or not, I don't know. But if I'm a scout, and it was even... It was even close, which people for a while were saying, oh, maybe maybe Bedard won't go number one. I don't know. Watching this, I'm salivating. I'm going, let's tank. If I'm Phoenix or I'm, I'm I don't know, Montreal there. Can you imagine? Because Montreal is a good little foundation. Or Anaheim, right? Anaheim suck, but they do have that McTavish. Uh, they got a few young guys. Jesus, Zagris is there. Like, you know, if you add... I think Bernard added to the Canadians or or uh, Anaheim makes them immediately a contender. About the cup contender, but I think it would put them immediately in the playoffs. There's that many goals, that much talent. These guys playing amongst it makes everybody else better around them. It's no fluke that if you build the team right, if you pick, look at Pittsburgh, pick first. They got Crosby, Malkin, uh, some good scouting with Latang. They got flurry. Boom, they're off for the races, right? You're only going to be shitty for so many years. Same thing with Chicago, right? When, but when Taves and Kane came in and then Duncan Keith and Seabrook and 
you know, you, you can look at the teams that like to some teams trade for talent. Uh, the New York Yankees are one of the teams in sports that tend to spend a lot, trade a lot, get whoever they want. Hockey, it happens. Some some teams are more inclined to trade than others, but some teams build from the ground up and stick with their players, right? And uh, for me, all the teams in the running, I, I wouldn't want to go to Arizona. I'm sorry. I don't say much. I try to see the negative or the positive in most situations, and I don't want to get here and, and offend a fan base. But fuck, man. I, I don't know. I really honestly would not want to go to Phoenix. It's a nice place. To, it just... I don't know. You're playing in a three thousand seat or something. You're. It seems so bush league to me. It doesn't even seem. It's like there's thirty one teams and then thirty one B Arizona. I mean, they weren't getting a lot of fans anyway. Now they're playing in a college rink. Um, a few fights breaking out in the stands. I I don't know. I, something is amiss. I I. Of course, I would go there. It's Phoenix. It must be fucking awesome weather. Uh, but if I'm a player, I got to be honest. I'm coming in. I'm getting drafted. Probably not going to say it to anybody. But no, I, I wouldn't want to go to a team that was playing in a rink smaller than what I go down and watch the Newfoundland Growlers play in. No, I, I just wouldn't want to. It's the NHL. And I mean, I wouldn't complain. I know, I know if I was there, I'd make the most of it. It'd probably be a lot of fun. But if you're just asking me straight up, I wouldn't want to go there. Now, outside of that, every team that's in the running, even Ottawa aren't doing that well, right? But if Ottawa tank and they happen to get Bedard, it'd be exciting with the young players there. That uh, Now, anytime you're going to add a superstar to the mix, it's exciting. But look, I think the guy, yeah, I do. I but how he's going to play in the NHL, I don't know. I wouldn't say bad. Um, I know he's going to be good. I mean, if Shane Wright just went first overall, he's playing in the NHL now. They're on the same ice. They shoot the same way. Wright is playing well. Six points in five games. He's playing well. Third is 20-odd. 20-odd. Every time he got the puck, it's electric. Um, you got to, like, back him into a corner, and even then he... Fucking gets the puck away. Now he's turned it over a few times, but he back checks too, man. He nearly fucking took out his shoulder back checking. I don't know. I like everything I see. I might be biased. He's from Canada. Um, I'm probably not saying enough about the young Slovakian goalie. Um, I can't remember his name, but he, you know what? I'm not doing it any fucking justice. I got to find out his name, don't I? Let's see. Slovakia junior goalie. Wow. Adam Gajan. Wow. Okay. Well, he's played, <coughs> he's played phenomenal. Although, hold on. I don't, excuse me. Excuse me one sec. Yeah, Adam Gajan, and it uh, says he plays in Green Bay in the United States League. 
well, look, this guy played unreal. I, and I don't think it was a one-off. You know, a lot of people can have one game, have the game of their lives. But judging by, you know, I'm, I'm trusting the people that are commenting on the game and friends that I had at the game and at the tournament. Uh, there's a lot of Newfoundlanders there, right? It's happening in Halifax, which is, isn't that far. It's the closest city that we really fly to, the little hub that we fly to in Atlantic Canada. And, uh, yeah, I hear the guy's pretty spectacular. So without, without, really, I have to mention his heroics. But uh, anyway, I just wanted to say my thoughts are that barring injury, you really get a knock on wood there. And I know that it's not the NHL yet, and I shouldn't count my chickens, and there's no reason to jump to conclusions, but given the extreme talent and the extreme well-timed points and goals, the attitude, it's also a throwback. Bedard seems to always have a great something great to say about his teammates. It's never all about him. And I know this might seem cliche, these answers, but in a, in a world that's so dominated by the Instagram and, you know, these self-centered motives in, in not only sport, in everything, that's becoming normalized. I like to see a throwback, just somebody that gives credit to his teammates sometimes even when they don't deserve it because that that will make the wheel spin more fluently than any time someone gets in there and talks about themselves look at any sport look at fucking football green bay when aaron rodgers was blaming everybody else they were losing right now played a couple of good games shut the fuck up uh, LeBron James. I mean, look, I'm picking Jordan if it's an all-time thing. I don't love James. I, it's kind of me, me, me. But that's more, I think, his overall. When, when he's on the court, I don't see him being that selfish. And he is a great player. And he's still fucking, Jesus, like 38 years old. And he's 43 the other night, 47 the night after. I got to give him credit. And when things are going well, LeBron always gives his teammates credit. But when they aren't, right, and he starts throwing daggers or whatever and offhanded comments or he might tweet about the owner or something, right? And it's always this vague, cryptic thing. It's just negative. That's negative energy, and the Lakers don't thrive when he or, you know, it's not just him, other players, I don't know. There's all kinds of attitudes in sports. And... uh I don't know. To me, I just love somebody that says the right thing at the right time and uh, is... I don't need anybody to tell me that Conor Bedard's confident. I know he is when he has the puck. I don't need him to tell me that after the game. I like hearing him give credit to his teammates. And they are good. They're playing awesome, right? They do deserve a lot of the credit, but... I mean, Bedard is spectacular. You'd never hear that by listening to him. And I think that is a great fucking thing. This week's music recommendation. Okay. Classic rock fans. I'm going to go with Jerry Rafferty. 
Now, Jerry Rafferty was in, he was a founding member of and in uh, Steeler's Wheel. Okay, so their big hit was Stuck in the Middle with You. They had a few, but uh, I don't know. This is a two-in-one. There's a movie recommendation as well. I'm, I'm sure most of you have seen Reservoir Dogs, Quentin Tarantino's first movie that he directed, I believe. I think he did True, Mo True Romance as a producer. Um, one of the first that he directed, if not the first. There's a scene where uh, a captured cop gets one of his body parts sliced off. Okay, so I won't ruin it if you haven't seen it, but uh, I guess I kind of already have. In any case, Michael Madsen, I think he plays Mr. Green or one of those. They're, they're, it's Mr. Pink, Mr. Green, Mr. Brown, Mr. Blue. They're all these gangsters, and they don't want their real names to be revealed. So anyway, whatever pink, blue, whatever he is. <clears throat> so he dances around. It's a pretty iconic scene. And the song being played is stuck in the middle with you. So a lot of people my age are around it. That was their kind of introduction to this song. If you were born before me, say if you're my dad's age, you would recognize Stuck in the Middle of You as, with you as one of the biggest songs of 1973. So it was, you know, big, big, big hit. So Rafferty went on his own. And uh, my favorite album by Jerry Rafferty is called City to City. Okay. Now, the early... Let's see. I'm going to bring it up online here. Make sure I'm not a, wrong. Say 1978, so it's obviously too early for me to remember. It came into my wheelhouse, I guess, when I was five, six, seven years old. It was an album that was constantly played at the house. My dad would have his senior hockey friends in or whatever. I guess it was like <clears throat> half a decade old when I kind of, when it came into my existence. So, the first three songs, City to City, Baker Street, and Right Down the Line. Now, the whole album is good. It really is. But those first three are my personal three. It's my, my favorite opening to any album of the 70s. And pro probably ever. My favorite opening to any album would be Sgt. Pepper by the Beatles. That's 1967. This would be right up there. This would be top five. It really would. Uh, you could make an argument number two. So City to City is just a fucking great rock song. Baker Street is that classic saxophone. If you don't know what I'm talking about, just go play the song right now. And guaranteed, whether it's from watching The Simpsons or some movie soundtrack, I say The Simpsons because Lisa loves the guitar and... Uh, or the saxophone, and it comes up a few times during. And then right down the line, which is another great song. Um, Baker Street is pretty much known for the saxophone riff. Saxophone riff. It is a fantastic tune. Hugh Burns plays the riff, and I believe... They kind of came up with it on the spot here in Rafferty talk about it. But anyway, it's a beautiful song. Baker Street's probably my favorite of the three, but all three songs are fucking deadly. The album's awesome. It's called City to City. And again, it's Jerry Rafferty, formerly of Steeler's Wheel. Uh, and uh, I do think 
that if you're into classic rock, even if you're not, play it for play Baker Street. Uh, but hey, I think anybody, it's one of those. I talk to my buddy Cody and my buddies Cody and Connor Donahue a lot about music and you know which song, like what's your favorite song. It's it's so hard to say what your favorite song is. But if someone came here, like in some hypothetical world where aliens understood music or some you know, someone like me came from another planet and sat in front of me and said, oh, this is rock and roll. Play me a song. What song do you think you could play for me that I would definitely like? There's no doubt that I would like it. I often say Sister Golden Hair by America, right? Well, this is right up there. I, I believe Baker Street might be my second pick. Like, I don't know anybody that's heard that song that doesn't like it. And, uh, the other two right down the line and city to city are just fucking awesome tracks as well. Jerry Rafferty, from what I understand it, you know, you read a lot of these books and, you know, people die and they, you know, what are you left with? You can only collect information. You can't ask the people, but seemed to me to be a humble guy, really didn't like the limelight at all. Um, I know, you know, Jerry Rafferty was really respected by his peers, right? I read the Beatles books and whatever. Paul McCartney thought a lot of them. I remember he spoke at uh, when he passed away at his funeral, I believe. You just don't hear his name that much in mainstream, but critics, musicians, anybody that's really pays attention to music in the 20th century, I think would have only good things to say about Jerry Rafferty. They hold his opinions and his talent very, very high. Kind of like, I don't know, who's another singer-songwriter? I don't think a lot of enough people really respect and know who Ron Sexsmith is. Even Leonard Cohen. Leonard Cohen's a good example. All kinds of people in the music industry love Leonard Cohen. If you were to ask any singer-songwriter, most of them would put him up there. Bob Dylan puts him in the top five ever. Yet, when I say that name... A lot of you have heard of him, but you don't know his songs, do you? Now, I'll get into that maybe next time. Make myself a note here. And if you like Jerry Rafferty, now Leonard Cohen is nothing like him, but uh, do a quick quick search of Leonard Cohen and check out some of his tunes. Um, even in death, he died, and as he was dying, he wrote a album called uh, a song called You Want It Darker, and it was just fucking awesome. I mean, now I'm getting off topic. Check out Jerry Rafferty. Check out Steeler's Wheel, but check out Jerry Rafferty on his own. The album is City to City, and it's got the best three-song intro outside of the Beatles, in my mind, in my opinion, in the history of classic rock. Folks, if you're downtown St. John's and you're going for a drink, why not go to Trinity Pub? Why not go to TJ's? Rob Roy Confusion, Green Sleeves, or the Bull and Barrel. If you're going for a bite to eat, Blue on Water, Merchant Tavern, and Wedgwood Cafe. That's where I like to go. If I'm going to work out, which I did today, and I will again tomorrow, I go to Ryan Power, Power Conditioning on Rope Walk Lane. I swear by it. He's not paying me for this ad. It's my buddy, and I think that much of it. I want to get as many people in that door. He trains Alex Newhook. He's made a believer out of me. I fucking love it. Ryan Power, Power Conditioning, Rope Walk Lane. Start now. It's the new year. What the fuck are you waiting for? All those resolutions out there. Get in there. Live, laugh, lube. Mr. Lube. Torbay Road, 
Cam Mount Road. Check it out one day soon. If you need anything done with your car, look no further than Mr. Lube. True Hockey. Take what's yours. And, of course, Pitbull Pain Relief. PitbullPainRelief.com. Unbelievable pain sticks. THC, CBD, with uh, other products soon to come. Check it out. PitbullPainRelief.com. Folks, this has been 136A. My dad, Terry Ryan Sr., will be back soon with 136B. Good luck to Canada. I got to say, I'm not biased much in sports. I try not to be on here. Well, I am, but I try not to be on here. But I'm going for Canada, obviously, in this World Junior Classic. And uh, it's been great so far. Keep it up, boys. And, of course, my favorite player on the team wears number 14, Zach Dean from Mount Pearl, Newfoundland, who's back with a vengeance and has had two unbelievable games after being suspended early in the tournament for something that I applaud him for. Look it up. Thanks, everybody. This has been 136A. Talk in a few days. I'll catch you on The Rebound.